Through their investment in the Minnesota Corn Checkoff, corn growers are fueling research and initiatives that build a more sustainable future for farmers and all Minnesotans. The Minnesota Corn Podcast introduces you to the individuals who are shaping future ag practices, identifying new markets, and promoting agriculture with the non-farming public. Our guest for this episode is Robert White, Vice President of Industry Relations for the Renewable Fuels Association. Robert, kind of unique to be able to sit down with you here underneath the Minnesota Corn Tent at FarmFest and talk about a vehicle that's on display this week during the, the big farm show in southwest Minnesota. What's special about this Flex Fuel EV? Well, it's the first of its kind, the only one in the world at this point where we've taken a 2022 Ford Escape plug-in hybrid electric vehicle and converted the 11 gallons of liquid fuel to flex fuel using an aftermarket conversion kit. And the thought here is we wanted to be able to demonstrate through emissions, uh, through performance, and ultimately through life cycle analysis that if our climate and our greenhouse gas emission goals are set, we're good with that. Just don't pick the technology that's gonna get us there because what is happening is technology is not innovating towards those goals because it's being limited strictly to battery electric vehicles. The only vehicle of its kind in the entire world, here it is in Minnesota, what's it gonna take to create a market for this type of vehicle? Well, I tell you, I could have sold a few today and, and yesterday for sure because most people in rural America don't understand the exotic push to full-on battery electric vehicles across this country and in most cases within the next decade. You know, they're concerned about cost, they're concerned about charging availability, range anxiety, you know, all the things that typical EV uh, supporters don't really consider because it's a status item or they have uh, available free charging at work or they have a garage at home. There are just so many different things that come into play when you start forcing that across the country. So if what we're trying to do is provide a soft landing spot for the EV only crowd and at the same time almost uh, comedically we're providing a, a stepping stone for those that say they'll never own an EV and let everyone meet in the middle but at the same time we have proven through all of those uh, data collection research areas that we can in fact compete with a Tesla in almost any situation in the country using a liquid fuel and technology that's already sitting here, not something we need to wait a couple decades for. Maybe I misread the headline, maybe I dreamt it up, but I thought I saw this week, Robert, that a major vehicle manufacturer is kind of backpedaling on the all EV push and they're, they're kind of re-entertaining the idea of flex fuel vehicles. Am I onto something there? Well, you're seeing a lot of headlines, uh, ironically, where you've had the automakers make these aspirational goals for shareholder value or to make sure they can get back into the White House and have those conversations. And now we've seen these tailpipe emissions come out from EPA proposed that would essentially mandate that 67% of the motoring public or new vehicle sales as early as 2030 would have to be full battery electric vehicles. And now the automakers are saying, oh, geez, now we actually have to make them. And so we're seeing some pushback and some resistance. Last week we saw Senators Klobuchar and Ricketts uh, file legislation in the Senate, the Flex Fuel Fairness Act. And what that really does is just put, tip the scale back a little bit and say, all right, if you're going to assume that every EV is charged on 100% renewable electricity, you're also going to assume that every flex fuel vehicle is filled with E85, low carbon, uh, clean burning domestic liquid fuel. And if that happens, the automakers have told us that we'll have more flex fuel vehicles than we can fathom in the coming years because 
they would love to produce more internal combustion engines. And they would love to produce plug-in hybrids that have that uh, combination of an internal combustion engine. Battery electric vehicles are expensive. The production is expensive. The rare earth minerals are indeed rare. And you're seeing those headlines like Ford predicting a $4.5 billion loss in their electric vehicle side alone this, this year. So I think we're starting to see some changes in attitude, not only at the corporate level, but also in the consumer level and their genuine interest. We're speaking on behalf of corn farmers today. How do you try to make sense to them as they ponder the future and this push by the administration uh, of electrifying the vehicle fleet? And they're concerned about losing that, that market, that ethanol market that is critical to the bottom line. What, what do you tell them? Well, it's really twofold. The vehicle is one thing. We, we can demonstrate uh, frontwards, backwards, and sideways that ethanol can, in fact, compete with the grid and compete with the battery electric vehicles. It'll take some time for that to resonate, but we have that data. We have that science. The second conversation is really about all the new uses that are out there for ethanol. And if, quite honestly, if we lose the entire uh light-duty transportation sector, if these new uses in fact take off, then ethanol industry will be more than fine. In fact, we'll need to grow. And those new uses include sustainable aviation fuel. We talked about clear flame before we got on the microphone. Full diesel replacement in a diesel engine using denatured ethanol or 98% ethanol. And then you've got all these renewable chemicals, renewable plastics, basically using ethanol as a feedstock to make ethylene. And then once you're at ethylene, you can make anything. And these are billions upon billions of gallons of market. Sustainable aviation alone is over 6 billion gallons by 2030. So regardless of the EV movement, which we think will have its bumps and bruises and, and potholes along the way, and we're ready to help pick up the, the pieces, but the new uses is really where we think the opportunity to not only sustain but grow the industry is, and we'll be able to absorb more corn in the future as yields increase and efficiencies at the farm gate increase. Are there potential potholes or hurdles for sustainable aviation fuels moving forward? Oh, sure. I mean, until we're actually making it, there's all kinds of things. I mean, there's uh, concern in Washington. There's legislative movement to make sure that corn ethanol is treated fairly in the analysis. We're, we've got skeletons in the closet from Europe on, on how they look at corn ethanol as a feedstock for sustainable aviation fuel. And that has you know, made its way across the ocean. But we think in long term that not only do the sustainable aviation fuel companies believe ethanol is their best path forward. The airlines themselves are lobbying that corn ethanol is their best path forward. And that's everything from cost to the low carbon nature and availability and the logistical uh, advantage that corn ethanol already has because we're everywhere in the country already. And so all of that is very exciting. It's all uh, still a little on the horizon, but we're excited and, and expect several of those to come to fruition. And again, that will supersede anything about light-duty transportation. And the beauty of that is the ethanol industry will be able to sell where the most profit is. And then with Clearflame, there was a, a, a semi here at FarmFest a year ago running on ethanol. The idea of over-the-road trucking fleets that are burning ethanol, uh, but not just semis, but I think they're also looking at uh, agriculture, construction equipment, things like that. How do you see Clearflame technology unfolding in the next five to 10 years? Well, they've been doing a lot of on-the-road testing, not only through semis, but also gensets. 
And you look at the practical application of that and it's really endless. I mean, you imagine being able to leave an ethanol plant in a semi with a tanker of denatured ethanol or E85 going direct to retail, all powered by ethanol. I mean, I, I've been doing this a long time and the amount of grief I've got from really uneducated people on why aren't your tractors, why aren't your combines running on ethanol? It's not our choice. We don't make those products. But here we may have finally cracked the code where that can be become reality. Back to this flex fuel EV that's on display at FarmFest. I'm sure people are asking about performance. What can you tell them? Well, performance is uh, actually caught me a little off guard because this engine, I, and I handpicked, there's a lot of research to decide which plug-in hybrid to use. And this is kind of the middle of the road as far as range. Uh, it's a $40,000 vehicle, so something most families can afford. It's big enough most families can get into. You know, all of those things went into it, but the, the kicker was the engine is a 2.5 liter Atkinson cycle engine that uh, has a compression ratio of 13 to 1. And that's just dying for more octane, which obviously ethanol has, and specifically E85 has. So you combine the E85 with the hybrid drive, and what we're seeing is fuel economy impact basically less than 2%. So we got a fuel that we're using that's at a 27% discount on average nationwide. We're only seeing a 2% discount in fuel economy. So we're saving 25% every time we stop at an E85 pump. That hasn't been done to date. In fact, I've had everyone from automotive engineers reaching out trying to get me to explain how this is working. And I really think we've just hit the perfect storm in this, but it's not something that's impossible to replicate. This is a vehicle that we purchased off a dealership lot and spent an hour converting to flex fuel. So we're hopeful that the legislation continues to move and influence and, and incentivize flex fuel vehicle production. But at the same time, we have a technology sitting here that's never been done and the perform performance results are pretty amazing. There are several state fairs and other farm shows happening in August and September for this one of its kind vehicle, do you have any other uh, uh, planned stops? Yeah, I think the joke my wife is, what second home state are you in this week? Uh, we'll be in Indiana next week. Uh, we'll be at the Iowa State Fair and several parts in between. Uh, wrap up August and Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. So uh, the beauty of where we're at in the election cycle, I think I've talked to somewhere upwards of 20 different elected officials today reminding them that we're still here and we're ready to play. And it doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrats and where their stance is. Ethanol will play a vital role either in light duty transportation or in the low carbon future. And we're excited to be a part of it. How, how important is the role of the, the checkoff, the corn checkoff and having state grower organizations like Minnesota Corn supporting efforts like these? Well, ethanol came from the corn growers, right? I, I'm a former corn uh, grower employee, Jeff Cooper, used to work for National Corn Growers, our CEO. And so our roots are there, whether it's staff or uh, the investment. I mean, my father helped start one of the ethanol plants in Kansas with uh, through the corn growers there. So our roots are deep. There's a lot of investors. There's a lot of board members that overlap. And ultimately, we're one of the same. So we're excited that we continue to have that support uh, from the various states. You can look at the hood of this car, and it's almost every one of the major corn growing states are a part of this process because they know they have the same questions from their growers, from their uh, checkoff investors. We have to find a path to the future. And I think we got several different avenues to do it, but they're valued and are the best friend of ethanol. For anyone who would like to know more about what we've been talking about today, where would you direct them? 
We've got a simple URL. It's flexfuelev.com. Robert, I appreciate the time. Thanks. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. To learn more about what's happening with Minnesota corn, go to mncorn.org.